Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots and American taxpayers, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast, your only source of truly independent, conservative, pro-American, pro-forgotten taxpayer news and views here on Friday at the end of the week. And even though it's Friday, we're not slacking off. We have a tremendous show for you today, uh, packed with information that you need to take with you to your elected representatives, to the president, email the White House, email your governors. Stay focused. Stay focused. The next couple of weeks are all going to be about the sham impeachment trial that's going to go nowhere. No one's going to score any points off of it. The outcome is preordained. But there are civilization killing issues going on every day. Many of which cut to the core of why the president was elected, his campaign promises. They are not being fulfilled. Often the opposite is happening. And those opportunities to fulfill them still exist. The president needs to be gently but firmly reminded of those opportunities that he can still fulfill. And that's where I need you guys to help me. So let's come do this together. I want to start off by just first observing one of the big news stories on Thursday was Martha McSally, the appointed Republican senator from Arizona, Supposedly got into a little bit of a tussle with Manura Jew, with a CNN reporter, and he was hounding her in the hallways of Congress, and she called him a liberal hack. And of course, she goes and fundraises off of that dust up. And I was thinking to myself, man, is this a perfect illustration of what the Republican Party is? And I know many of you have messaged me on on social at Arm Conservative at Twitter, you emailed me at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. I got a lot of your messages. And it, it's just amazing. You guys that are veterans of this show are totally on to this. Republicans are so good at implementing liberal policies, or at least tacitly allowing them to happen, but then calling liberals liberals and then fundraising off of it. That really is the Republican Party. As you well know, Martha McSally is a terrible candidate. She lost a red state to a Kirsten Cinema in the other seat. Then when this seat opened up, because John McCain passed away, she was appointed to fill it. I mean, when do you ever appoint? Imagine if you had a conservative grassroots candidate lose and then being appointed. And then they have her running for the seat against a pretty strong Democrat candidate, whether you like it or not, and Mark Kelly, you need a good candidate to beat him. And and she's losing, she's behind. She, if you want to talk about all the people we focus on every um every day that are totally down for the refugee resettlement, totally down for jailbreak, will never fight for us. Martha McSally is a classic person. But she has a great video clip of her calling a reporter a liberal hack. Boom! We're going to own the libs. You see Martha McSally own the libs. The liberal media is attacking her. Go donate to her campaign. Meanwhile, when it comes to results and outcomes, the liberal hacks continue to win on policy. We certainly discussed that very vividly on yesterday's show with the courts. But I want to discuss that a little bit more today with immigration. 
What if we actually had a Republican Party that believed in sovereignty and security and immigration enforcement as strongly, as indefatigably, and as consistently as Democrats believe in open borders? Imagine what the country would look like. Well, a lot of that really is President Trump's campaign promises. That's what it was supposed to look like. But my friends, that is not what we're getting. Some smaller scale things, Trump has done some good things, but on the big picture items, even after Pensacola, the the attack from a Saudi military trainee, we're still not doing anything about it. Then we have this letter from Dick Durbin, where Durbin, one of the most liberal Democrats on amnesty, is getting to the right of Trump on worker visas. So a lot to cover today. A lot to cover today. And, you know, I don't have time to get this. I'm just going to add this in. An Ohio congressman is noting how DHS approved a $100,000 grant of taxpayer funding to CARE, the Hamas group, Council on American Islamic Relations. This is happening under this administration. We have policy problems. We have personnel problems. If everyone who calls themselves a conservative media figure would raise their voices, this would stop. But they'll focus on what they can't influence because we just like talking points, owning the libs while owning the liberal policies. That's really what this is all about. But anyway, let's go through a lot of the news today that I think really embodies this dichotomy, this this disconnect with electing rhinos and then rhinos trying to get conservatives to vote for them with these vacuous dust-ups with reporters while doing nothing on the issues that matter. Again, I'm all for icing, but I want a cake. Okay? Icing without a cake is meaningless. A harmony without a melody is meaningless. And that's what, that's what we're like. So yesterday was announced that President Trump, or I'm, I'm assuming he knows about this, and if he doesn't, we need to make sure he does, but Secretary of Defense Mark Esper is going to visit Pensacola next week, the naval, the naval base there, and announce new security measures. Well, one of the security measures that will not be announced is that we're shutting off Saudi visas, at least military trainees, much less civilian visas, much less the roughly 170,000 green cards we give out to Muslim countries every year, 140,000 or so, 150,000 foreign students we bring in, God knows how many other visas from these countries every year. Nope, that's not going to happen. Are we going to arm American soldiers on their own bases as Trump promised, quote, on the first day, unquote, of his uh, administration? Nope. Because they promised that they will restart the foreign military training for, for the current 850 Saudi military officials, as well as anyone new that we bring in, as well as the countless, it looks like there's about five to 6,000 foreign military trainees. They won't tell us where they're from, but I could tell you a number of them are from Afghanistan, and I suspect a good number are from Countries like Egypt and Turkey as well. I mean, this is the type of thing that happened under Obama 
while Trump was campaigning for president and he, he railed against it. I mean, we talked about realistic expectations. And when Trump promised a complete shutoff of immigration from the Middle East, yeah, I, I didn't think he was going to do that. I, I didn't expect that. But what I did expect is that when you have opportunities, unfortunately born out of tragedies, you would push for them. And you would at least head in a better trajectory instead of doubling down and championing and appointing a defense secretary that champions these programs that bring them in. That is what I did expect. I know you can go back into my archives in 2015, 2016, where I actually predicted Trump would do this. And if I were obnoxious, I would sit in front of you every day and play clips of myself and how I was right. And, you know, the fact that Javanka and the fact that Trump is unfocused. But I don't want to sit and do that. I want to rather steer him to where he can still harness the opportunities he has because we have no other choice. I want to be constructive here. I want to get Trump to do what I know he inherently wants to do, but absent a clear focus and, and clear prodding from a focused and consistent conservative base, which I guess doesn't exist, it's not going to happen. The left is still going to win on these policies. So it continues. Unbelievably. And remember, we spoke about earlier this week that Attorney General Barr at his press conference seemed to indicate that even the, the 21 that they expelled because they found uh, social media postings that were pro-jihadi, the way he phrased it, it was more like the Saudis wanted to pull them back, but that we there was no statement that we are going to vet everyone's um, social media, we're going to really look into their family ties, we're going to be very careful. Do you want to know why? Because the dirty little secret is that you can't. It's impossible to take a viper's nest of anti-American sentiment and pro-jihadist proclivities and anti, you know, just values of treatment of women, values that just are out of sync, even with this divided country that we have. But there are certain universal values that I think we'd all agree we share as opposed to those in the Middle East, and we don't want them, there is no way to vet hundreds of thousands. There just isn't. And therefore, that would require us to have a temporary suspension, and they don't want to do that. So therefore, see no evil, hear no evil. It is truly... awe-inspiring to read some of the speeches from Donald Trump during his campaign. They sounded like my podcast. I mean, he had staff that was literally taking data points from stuff that people like me and Breitbart writers were talking about. And he, he gave speeches about that. He literally spoke to this point. Remember Andy McCarthy's article that we talked about how it's not a matter of vetting if someone has a card that says, I'm a member of Al-Qaeda. It's a matter of not bringing in people to the country that hate us and subscribe to that ideology. Well, Trump literally made that point. Literally made that point. 
very famous speech he gave August 15th, 2016, um, in Ohio on the campaign trail. By the way, after years of Ohio being a razor-thin battleground state, where Bush won it very narrowly and Obama won it very narrowly, Trump blew it away by more than 10 points. Trump gave a great speech on strike and maneuver, like we're talking about, the Middle East, not getting sucked into more of these conflicts, pulling out of, of them, but still being strong and a strong deterrent. And like I said, Trump has, while it's not perfect, I could give him points for, I think, heading in the right direction. But then he tied into, said, it's not just, um, it's not just foreign policy. More so, it's immigration. A new immigration policy is needed as well. Let me read to you from here. The common thread linking the major Islamic terrorist attacks that have recently occurred on our soil, 9-11, the Fort Hood shooting, San Bernardino, um, the Boston bombing, Orlando attack, is that they have involved immigrants or children of immigrants. Clearly, new screening procedures are needed. A review by the U.S. Senate Immigration Subcommittee has identified 380 foreign-born individuals charged with terrorism or terrorism-related offenses between 9-11 and 2014, and many more since then. I wrote about it at the time. We also know that ISIS recruits refugees after their entrance into the country, as we have seen with Somali refugee, the Somali refugee population in Minnesota. Beyond terrorism, as we have seen in France, foreign populations have brought their anti-Semitic attitudes with them. I mean, he sounds like me. He touched on every point. Pew polling, I know they got this from me at the time, I wrote about it at the time, shows that in many of the countries from which we draw large numbers of immigrants, extreme views about religion, such as the death penalty for those who leave the faith, are commonplace. A Trump administration will establish a clear principle that will govern all decisions pertaining to immigration. We should only admit into this country those who share our values and respect our people. That's a winning message if I've ever seen one. Trump campaigned on it. He won on it. He went on to say in the Cold War, we had an ideological screening test. The time is overdue to develop a new screening test for the threats we face today. In addition to screening out all members or sympathizers of terrorist groups, look at this, quote, we must also screen out any who have hostile attitudes towards our country or its principles or who believe that Sharia law should supplant American law. Those who do not believe in our Constitution or who support bigotry and hatred will not be admitted for immigration into the country. Only those who we expect to flourish in our country and to embrace a tolerant American society should be issued visas. And then he went on to say, to put these new procedures in place, we will have to temporarily suspend immigration from some of the most dangerous and volatile regions of the world that have a history of exporting terrorism. The size of current immigration flows are simply too large to perform adequate screening. We admit over 100,000 permanent immigrants from the Middle East every year. Beyond that, we admit hundreds of thousands of temporary workers and visitors from the same regions. If we don't control the numbers, we can't perform adequate screening. I'm here to tell you that in the year 2018, 
the second full year of the Trump administration. I don't have the data from 2019, but I would guess it's about the same. By my best count, and we'll put it up here on the screen for those of you uh, watching on, on YouTube, and, and this is why you need to also watch as opposed to just listen on, on audio, I will show you the list of predominantly Muslim countries, about 47 of them, the green cards we have issued to nationals from those countries. It's over 154,000, okay? 154,000. Trump said we bring in over 100,000. 154,000 green cards, roughly the same amount on long-term or other visas from those countries by my best estimate. And then you have Pensacola, which proves your point. The guy at social media postings, it's about an ideology. The typical Republican line was we need to better vet. It's, it's meaningless because of two things. Because number one is it's the ideology undergirding it. It's not vetting whether you're like a card-carrying Al-Qaeda member. Trump mentioned that. And also, it is a flow. It's a matter of numbers. You can't have hundreds of thousands and not bring in the problem. Vetting could only work if, we're, if it would be very limited. And that's why he promised the suspension. And he's going backwards. He won't take yes for an answer. Pensacola is exactly what he was talking about. It's like it never happened. What am I supposed to do with this? Do I think Trump is sitting in the background? Ha ha ha. I love me my, my mass Islamic migration. I, I really fooled my voters. No. He doesn't want this. But, you know, the swamp's going to continue if you don't keep him focused and make him fight for it. Again, we need a party that believes in sovereignty the way the Democrats believe in open borders. It's that simple. It's that simple. Absent that, Trump's going to go along with the general party. This is just one example. We're going to go on to a lot of other examples of failures on immigration. Failures where we're going backwards. Whatever happened to that birthright citizenship thing? I mean, if you go back to Trump's white paper or some of his promises, it's, it's unbelievable. And these are things that he could do unilaterally. He got a gift. In, in June 2017, Trump v. Hawaii, the Supreme Court emphatically said 1182F allows you to stop anything that you think is in the national interest. And this is a huge national interest. Even the liberal media, I've seen all over on, on social media, uh, liberal reporters kind of taunting the president. Huh? Is, what happened to your travel ban? I guess you're too close with the Saudi government. I mean, come on. It's a gift. You have it. Win on it. Where, where's Fox News? Where are all these hosts, you know, uh, demanding this? And not just like in the abstract talking about it, but being very pointed, very specific what the president promised, what he can do, and why it's a missed opportunity. I mean, there are some shows on Fox, they'll on the abstract have on all oh, the concerns about you know, too much, you know, lack of vetting, but they won't connect it. It's like as if the president is a bystander. He's a he's a commentator and he's not the president of the United States with power. The Supreme Court just upheld um, to stop this. But I want to go on one of the 
points that Trump made so articulately on the campaign trail that was underscored by Pensacola was numbers. You can't get around numbers. Numbers matter. Thomas Sowell always talked about this when we would say immigration in the abstract is good. We talked about immigration good. He called it abstract immigration. It was like, well, how much? What type? From where? Over how long? I mean, fat and calories are very good for a body. You can't live without it. But if I said fat and calories are good, well, depends. A certain amount, if you don't have, you won't survive. I'm not saying immigration is quite like that, that we'll die if we don't have any immigration. But certainly the other end of it, that if you have too much, it will kill you. And the idea is you can't have mass migration. You can't tell me I'm going to continue bringing in 1.1 million on green cards and another 700,000 on worker visas and another 1.1 million every year as foreign students and then other stuff and be like, look, we're going to reform it. Jared Kushner has his plan. It's going to be more merit based. It won't be jihadist. It will be that, that that's bull. That's pure utter bull and and he knows it how many caseworkers do you think you have and then caseworkers that are proficient with the language and the culture of these countries that they can truly get in the mind of these people and vet them are you kidding me so the the other place we see this and we've been talking a lot about it i have a good article out this week um on this as well that you could um you could look at is the Chinese immigration problem. Now, China is a little bit different in the sense that I don't think there's a pervasive ideology among Chinese that's like anti-American the way you have Sharia, this religious fervor in the Middle East. Um, I don't think you have that. And like I said, I, I'm predisposed to like most Chinese immigrants. I think they're generally good. But here's the deal. We know China has openly, our government has said it, their government has admitted it, they use people in this country, Chinese diaspora, to steal trade secrets from private companies, from military, in colleges. This is a problem in, in Australia, New Zealand, and, and England as well. Uh, government reports in those countries have talked about this. There's been books written on this, one, one great book called Academic Mal Malware. Um, how they do everyone knows this democrats will admit this there was a bipartisan committee report on this how we have ten thousand working just in the department of energy labs chinese diaspora chinese immigrants um it's a huge problem huge espionage problem china has known programs for in counterintelligence using them so there's one thing for like a very small amount of immigrants okay he, he, we're gonna vet them we bring in year after year after year after year, roughly 80,000 on green cards and 360,000 foreign students. Mandarin is such a hard, complicated language. You tell me how we have the caseworkers to vet out counterintelligence operatives. Then there's the border. Then there's the border. Just this week I saw a track. Syracuse University has data on this. I saw this and I forget and I forgive. Uh, I ask forgiveness. There's a reporter that tweeted this out and I can't remember his name. But um, 
that's where I found it. More Chinese nationals were granted asylum than any other nationality. Immigration judges granted asylum to 3,623 Chinese nationals in fiscal year 2019. Despite fewer applicants compared to some other nationalities, a relatively low denial rate pushed their numbers to the top of the list. Chinese applicants were denied just 25% of the time compared to 69% of the denial for other for the average of other asylum seekers. 75% of them were approved. Here's the deal. We've said this before, but I'm going to read this to you from an article of mine. I got this straight from Intel border agents that worked with Chinese. Here's the deal. These are people mainly, maybe some of them fly into airports, but mainly coming from the border. Now, they come under the most suspicious circumstances. Here's a quote from this border agent, and and we've had a record number of Chinese. 3,000 Chinese came through the border just in Texas alone um, last year. Border at large could be five, 6,000, I don't know. It's one of the fastest growing trends. Why? Look at the denial rates. It's working. They're getting in. Look, there could be some terrific people. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, we, we, get, we did a whole show on b- bogus refugees, Islamic civil wars. It's not a one-sided persecution. There are people that do want freedom in China. Um, they hate the Chai Coms. They're not communists. They're fleeing communism, and I'd love to have them, ideally. But here's the deal. Quote, this is from the border agent, my source, in Texas. He's a Texas border agent. Every Chinese alien I've encountered has run from us rather than surrendering. Then they claim asylum. But if they're trying to claim asylum, why are they running? Why are they overwhelmingly male if they are fleeing persecution? Also, after they fly into Brazil, they ditch their documents and come with nothing on them but cash. Lots of cash. They are all wearing fancy clothes like Gucci. They are coordinating their trafficking already overseas, and some are paying the cartels along with other smuggling entities as much as 70,000. They are wealthy people. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you run? Why would you run if you are uh, trying to declare asylum? You You would... bow at the feet of border agents, especially given how generous we are that anyone who claims asylum will will bring them in. It's not like we, you know, if you go to China and and cross their country, they'll throw you in the gulag and kill you. I mean, here, why would you run if you're truly a legitimate asylee? And especially knowing that we're more predisposed to give them asylum status. But nonetheless, once they're caught, so clearly they want to get in without being caught. But then they have the plan B that worst comes to worst, you're caught. I'll just claim asylum. And this is how China uses our stupidity against us. They'll send counter intel operatives, say, I'm fleeing the Chai comms. Like, that's what they're trained to do. I'm not saying every Chinese ever that crosses the border is like that. But a heck of a lot of them are, and all of them are being waved through. It's unbelievable. In terms of vetting, he said, we share nothing, no data with China. So they can just make up a name. We have no way of checking into them. 
We literally have no idea who they are before we release them. They just give us a random name and a birth date, and we have no way of verifying it. None of those from China are in the system, and they certainly don't share criminal histories with us. All of them are released into the asylum system. Again, the National Intelligence Director of National Intelligence warned in the annual worldwide, worldwide uh, terror th uh, threat assessment, not terror, terror assessment, but threat assessment, China's intelligence services will exploit the openness of American society, especially academia and the scientific community, using a variety of means. There you go. There you go. And the other thing is I've had another border agent tell me that so agents don't speak Mandarin. They speak Spanish. And anyone who understands language would understand this, that if you even if you would. You know, very weakly speak a language like Mandarin, or if you hire an interpreter, it's never the same. It's never the same. When you know language, you could see through someone. And I've had agents tell me all the time, this is how they, quote, break Central Americans. So they'll catch them lying and whatever. But, you know, most of the agents are proficient in Spanish and they'll break them and they could totally see through them. Nobody knows Mandarin enough there to to break these people. They rely on this service that they use and agents tell me it's not just unreliable, they downright don't trust them. They have indications that they were coaching them and helping them. This is such a severe problem that cuts to the core of what Trump promised. Yet at a visa level, we're bringing in more people when you put together the foreign students and the green cards from China than any other country, even though it is the single biggest counterintelligence, espionage, trade secret stealing threat of any nation we have. It's it's truly, truly unbelievable. And then you have the border. The border. How many we don't catch, I don't know, but safe to say at least 5,000 coming to our border every year, and those numbers are growing, and we're giving them asylum. Again, I, I truly do want to help people fleeing communism. But first and foremost, it must always be to protect Americans. See, their principle is we're going to let in everyone in the world naively, including mass numbers from countries that we're practically at war with. Unless we see prima facie the guy is a terrorist or a spy. No, it should be nobody is let into this country until I could certify affirmatively that he certainly is not bad but really loves America. Is that too much to ask? And, and if in the process, some people that would be okay aren't let in, it's got, so be it. It's got to be that way. That is the principle of, of representing your citizenry and sovereignty. These stories happen every day, but um, a listener in Georgia, Brian, thanks for saying this to me today from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. After nearly five years with Coca-Cola, engineer, I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, his English name is Shannon, um, you was getting downsized. Prosecutors alleged that two days before, oh, it's a her, her final shift in Atlanta, you 
gave herself a lucrative parting gift. You uploaded to her Google Drive account confidential documents de detailing trade secrets from six Coke vendors worth more than $100 million, according to a federal indictment and an FBI agent's testimony. It wasn't Coke's secret formula, but prosecutors say the records helped you win Chinese government funding to start a company making next-generation can coatings in a beverage industry segment that's worth $3 billion a year. The case of you who has pleaded not guilty is just a pebble in an increasingly troubled terrain portrayed by U.S. trade players. Chinese companies, individuals, and agents steal between $225 billion and $600 billion a year in U.S. intellectual property, ranging from copying designs to make knockoff handbags or to pirated music and movies to corporate America's most sensitive technologies, according to one outside estimate U.S. official site. They are sucking us dry. But let's be precise here. How are they doing it? This is not happening in the abstract. Oh, they're like, they have a machine that sucks it out. They have hundreds of thousands of potential operatives through immigration. It's through immigration. If you don't bring in people here, they can't harm us. It doesn't have to be this way. This is at its core. China ripping us off, stealing from us. What Trump campaigned against. You want to talk about 1182F to suspend forms of immigration when it's in the national interest. You want to talk about evidence of national interest. Man. Man, oh man. But let me go on to the next thing. Dick Durbin wrote a letter signed by Senator Richard Blumenthal, as well as Dianne Feinstein, but also Republicans Tom Cotton and um, Chuck Grassley signed on to it. Getting to the right of Trump on immigration. President Trump promised to put American workers first, but his administration has dramatically increased the number of guest worker visas. This hurts American and immigrant workers. Read my bipartisan letter warning the administration not to repeat this mistake again this year. We've noted during every budget bill. Now, Durbin voted for those budget bills that gave DHS authority to just expand the H2 low-skilled visas to flood us with low-skilled workers. Now, Durbin's framing is more like, oh, we're taking advantage of them. We're driving down wages. I don't disagree with that point. But like, you know, he frames it his way. Oh, they're not going to report bad business practices because they're undocumented and they're scared, whatever, you know, or they're, you know, on, on visas. My issue is, I mean, you're bringing in low skilled workers. Remember, we did a bunch of shows on that, the drugs, the crime, the cultural problems. He won't address that. But the point is, Durbin is getting to the right of the Trump administration. But yeah, I mean, you have Chad Wolf, the acting DHS secretary, who was a visa lobbyist for, for more of these policies. They're getting it. Getting more of these things. And it's like Trump. I mean, you saw the video clip. I give her credit. Laura Ingram actually pushed him hard in an interview, you know, with these visas. That was more the H-1B. This is the H-2. It's both of them. They like to hide behind, oh, it's high-skilled, and that has its own set of problems. But it's not true. They're increasing low-skilled as well. 
And this is this speaks to a broader problem that ties back to our original thesis with numbers. Numbers matter. Jared Kushner is preparing the ultimate immigration plan. I think this might be like the fifth version. Real expert on immigration, by the way. And, you know, they're talking about making it more high skilled, whatever, this and that. But one thing is clear. The numbers are not cut. The message has come out clear that the administration has now laid down the goalpost. That despite record high legal immigration pushing 60 million people, roughly as many people speaking foreign languages on our soil, the balkanization, the record trajectory in so many ways, that the rightmost goalpost, the plan from you know, exclusive restrictionist Donald Trump himself, the baseline is we're never going to cut numbers. We promise we're not going to expand them. We'll do these reforms, but we'll be within the same 1.1 million and however many same visa numbers, although they do want to expand those, at least in, in some categories. Is that winning? Again, I understand wholesale reform of chain migration, of legal immigration categories, that needs Congress. And I never really had high hopes for him doing that. But at least focus on the things you can do, shutting off visas from, from volatile, dangerous places, all the immigration enforcement. You know, today, ICE Director Albans is in New York bashing New York on the sanctuary policies. But where's the Trump administration prosecuting them for concealing and shielding illegal aliens? The U.S. attorneys and the Justice Department don't want to do it. It's not be being done. Illegal immigration enforcement could happen. Cutting off visas could happen. Um, cutting off funding to sanctuary cities could happen. But nonetheless, if you're going to put out an aspirational document that's never going to pass, never going to become law, but aspirational, what I would love Congress to pass, make it in line with your campaign promise and cut the numbers. Another speech you guys should read, Google... Many places have it. I'm reading from Politico here. But Trump's famous speech on August 31st in Phoenix, Arizona on immigration. Um, famous speech. That was the landmark speech where you got to read it. Everything I say, he said. And he gave 10 promises, and this was number 10. We will reform legal immigration to serve the best interests of America and its workers. We've admitted 59 million immigrants to the United States between 1965 and 2015. Many of these arrivals have greatly enriched our country, but we now have an obligation to them and to their children to control future immigration as we have following pr previous immigration waves to ensure assimilation, integration, and upward mobility. Within just a few years, immigration as a share of national population is set to break all historical records. The time has come for new, a new immigration commission to develop a new set of reforms to our legal immigration system in order to achieve the following goals. Now, let me just say, when, when people thought a commission, they meant, you know, people like Chris Kobach, people like me being on that commission. They didn't mean Jared Open Borders Kushner, his son-in-law. I mean, that, that's really, like, funky and nerdy. Like, dude, that's incestuous. I'm sorry. But anyway. Quote, 
to keep immigration levels measured by population share within historical norms. So if anyone tells you, well, Trump just promised to make it better, but not cut numbers, it's not true. To make it within historical norms and what he broadly said other times and what the the, the people for whom he was quoting from, what that always meant was more like 300,000 instead of 1.1 million. To select immigrants based on their likelihood of success in US society, their ability to be financially self-sufficient, to choose immigrants based on merit, skills, and proficiency, and to establish new immigration controls to boost wages and to ensure that open jobs are offered to American workers first. <laughs> you saw that with Laura Ingram um, with H-1B selling them out and H-2, record numbers. We don't have enough low-skilled third-world immigrants. I I'm sorry. It doesn't have to be this way. What, what am I supposed to what do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Should I lie to you? Should I sugarcoat this? This stuff is a million times more important than everything everyone in conservative media is talking about. It's a million times more redressable and within the power of conservative media to influence than everything else they talk about. It speaks to the core of Trump's instincts and what he really does still want to do. Most of it, he's been brainwashed a little bit on some of the visa stuff. But certainly on the, on the vetting and the my you know the Chinese stuff and the Middle East stuff. This is not about being pro-Trump or anti-Trump. This is about getting Trump to be pro-Trump. And most importantly, doing what's right for the country. Imagine if you had a president emphatically saying this every day, but also doing this stuff and engaging in court fights, executive policy fights, and legislative fights to illustrate the radicalism of the Democrats on this. He would win a landslide. But I can't be more pro-Trump than Trump is himself. That's the reality. Anyway, we're about out of time. Um, Monday, I'm going to be working on some super secret stuff. So I'm not going to have time to put out a show. Also, I don't even know if we're going to have DC staff to produce it. So it might not be a show till Tuesday, but we don't have to go on hiatus until then. You guys could join me in a movement. You guys could call the White House and talk about all this stuff. Um, you know, flood him, flood the White House with, with calls. Call your senators, your congressmen. Raise concerns about this, the Chinese stuff, the border stuff I talked about. It goes on and on. You could send this show to 50 of your friends and relatives. Tell them to subscribe to our YouTube page at Conservative Review's YouTube page. Go to conservativereview.com to see all of our articles and content. Subscribe to our emails there. You can see there's a place to subscribe. Get our emails. Tweet at me at rmconservative. And then, you know, like so many listeners have done, you have sent me so many stories I have not seen on my own. Email me at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Don't feel bad about spamming me. I might not be able to see or get to everything. I try to respond to as many people as I can, um, but it's it's exceedingly helpful. And I often wind up using them on the show or writing articles or raising awareness to the few people that of influence that care what I have to say. So it's very helpful. Let's make this a movement. Have a terrific weekend. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.